everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavin, The Low Ledger, and Modern History Press. Tonight, I will be chatting with Lowell author Glad Fletcher, who will announce the details of her book giveaway of My Garden of Stones at the end of the interview. Prior to her retirement, Glad worked as a secretary and receptionist for Lowell Township for more than 10 years. She lives a mile from where she was born and likes to quilt, cook, and garden. Thus, the name of the book. Hello, Glad. How are you? Well, I'm okay. <laughs> Me too. Feels like a long uh, day. <laughs> it has been a long, tiring day. Yes. I actually met Glad in person at the Red Barn Market during Christmas through Lola in 2017. Will you be on the tour again this year, Glad? I haven't made that decision yet. You still have time. Yes, I do. Now to your book, which is an autobiography, memoir, and biography of your husband, Al. How did you respond when your parents told you that you cannot marry the love of your life? Because that is what this book is all about, right? Yes, and a lot of other things added into it after the fact. When I was told that I could not marry the man that I loved. Uh, I had to make a very serious decision. I knew if I had uh, a wedding that part of the family would not be there because they opposed it to. Others would be there. And since my parents were not in favor of it, how would they, they surely wouldn't throw a wedding for me. So we decided the best thing to do would be to elope. To elope. And that's what we did. <laughs> that was quite a feat back back in 1951 that was quite a feat <laughs> now I met <clears throat> soldier boys were doing that you know because they were on leave for two or three days so they would elope and get married but they would go to Angola Indiana that was the place to go is that where you elope. went is yes that where, where we went? went yes we drove to uh Indiana? to uh, to in Indiana yes my goodness. So what was the reaction once your family found out? Not very happy. <laughs> and it took my parents quite a while to accept the marriage. Um, it took my father about six years before he apologized to my husband. Nice. for his actions, or the way that he talked to him. But it took my mom 17 years. Oh, longer than your dad? Oh, yes. Uh, finally, one uh, on my husband's birthday, after 17 years, she sent him a birthday card that said, to my son, and she signed it, mother. And we both cried. <laughs> so she finally came around. She finally did it after yeah. 17 years. So why, were, why did you oppose the marriage? My husband was handicapped with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis that he contracted when he was 11 years old. And they felt that he wouldn't be able to provide for me because the rheumatoid arthritis 
left him with contractures of the hands and some disability in other joints like hips and shoulders and ankles. And so he was um, admitted to Mary Freebed and spent five years there when it was on Old Cherry Street in Grand Rapids. Okay. And that's where he took his high school education. Mm -hmm. um, up to the time that he was in seventh and eighth grade, he was able to walk and be at school and so forth. But then it became very painful. And so the doctors decided the best thing for him would be to uh, be in Mary Free Bed where he could get uh, therapy as well as his education. So when did he get out? Out of Mary Free Bed? After five years, when he was, let's see, it was, um, he was a senior in high school and they let him graduate from Lowell. They gave him his certificate from Lowell, his diploma. But uh, the year, hmm, he went into Mary Freebed in 35. So that would have been 41, maybe. Mm -hmm, somewhere around there. Yeah, around 41. And did he get a job or what happened afterwards? Yes, afterward he... Um, um, was re rehabilitated and they had him walking on crutches. Mm -hmm. Well, he worked in law for several different people. And the last place he worked was for Gerald Rollins Insurance Agency. And that's where he was working when we were married. And I was working for Newell Manufacturing. Oh, <laughs> Newell Manufacturing, Yeah. <laughs> So you are from Lowell. Oh, I was born and raised. We both are from Lowell. Yeah, we both were born and raised in Lowell. Okay, so what <laughs> prompted you to write this up? This story that's both sad and happy, a mix of everything, right? Okay. Um, I decided I wanted to leave a legacy to my family so that they would know um, the background on some of our ancestors, as well as grandparents and great-grandparents and their grandfather and their dad. And so I thought the best way to do it would be to write memoir. And I thought, well, I've never written anything. And uh, after my husband passed away, I was 78 years old at the time. Well, when I turned 80, Mm -hmm. I decided it's time to do something about this. So I enrolled at Calvin in their call program for seniors. Okay. And I got a class on writing memoirs. And I took five different sessions over the period of all four years. And the instructor said, you know, you've got some very interesting stories. And she said, I think that you've got more to share than with just your family. I think you should share it with other people and you need to write a book. And I said, but I don't know how to do it. She said, I'll help you. So with her help and encouragement, I started out writing my book and I wrote, uh, I had uh, during the classes that I took from her, we had to write um, a paper each week and we had to write um, for the six week period, we had to write four papers. And then she would choose one of those papers that each of us wrote. We had to pick it, but she would uh, put it into an anthology. Mm -hmm. And so I had uh, 
four, I had five of those anthologies. And so that was my beginning of my book. And I thought, well, I've got to fill in the blanks here because we jumped all around in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. early childhood to teenage years and married life and having kids. And it was, and I, so I thought, no, I will do it chronologically. I will start with my early life. The first thing that I remembered and um, I told about that. And so I got the stories all together. It took me two years. But I uh, decided chronologically would be the best way to go. Because then I could include my elopement, uh, raising our family, going off to college together. And my husband overcoming his handicap. And being able to walk without crutches. And then uh, how he was employed. And he mentioned to my dad when we were first married, he said, I will not provide for Gladys by digging ditches. I will use my brain. Mm -hmm. And he had a wonderful mind. And um, people that met him, even though he had contractures of his hands and had a limp, um, people didn't see that. They saw the inner man. And that was what um, I wrote about in my book, too. Sounds fascinating. What were some of the challenges in writing this memoir? Um, sitting at the computer <laughs> for hours. For hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I had a plan. When I went into the computer, I would shut the door. There would be no noise, no music. I would just sit there and meditate and think about what did I do? What do I remember when I was three years old? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, I remember when my brother was born. And I remember the winter time when I tried to follow my dad to the barn in the snow. And... I couldn't step in his foot trip, footprints and how he came back and carried me. And I thought about all of these. And then I thought, I guess that's a good story. I'm going to write that. So I'd write that. And then I think, well, then what happened? Where did I live? What was the house like? Maybe people would want to know mm-hmm. that, you know, that we had no inside bathrooms and uh, that we how we heated the house and so i included some of those things in my early childhood stories and then i told about some of the things that i did as a teenager and some of the church activities that i was involved in um and then i also then i wrote about my engagement and the dissension between the family and my myself and my husband to be and uh, yet people on both sides of the family, some were for it, some were thinking that it wasn't a good idea. And so I felt in, in the process that they were taking sides, trying to figure out who's going to win. <laughs> it was like a, a game they were playing. And I thought, this is crazy. Because people were getting involved that weren't even family members. And I wrote about that in my book. And um, it was quite a story. <laughs> so it's I hope. Horrible in those times to do things like this. 
you know, oh. people outside of the family getting involved in your business. Yes, and people in the church because we both went to the same church. Uh, mm -hmm. Later, Al went to my church. He had always gone to the Congregational Church in Lowell. But then when we got serious, he started going to my church, which, which was the, Naz which the Nazarene Church. Oh, the Nazarene. And, yes, and I had so many don'ts in my life. I couldn't go to movies. I couldn't roller skate at the Methodist church with the rest of the kids. And I couldn't go to school parties and dances. And it was like, everything was negative in my life. Mm -hmm. And so we got a new pastor and he was different than the former pastor. And this was during my teen years. Mm -hmm. and he decided he was going to be a friend to the teenagers and he did things with us. He had classes with us, um, did some sex education classes. And oh, my goodness, did that cause a tizzy in the church? People had the parents had to sign cons <laughs> consent forms to have their kids go to the classes. <laughs> and his wife taught the girls and he taught the boys. And it was uh, my folks. Folks signed it, but reluctantly. But most of the parents were reluctant to sign it because that was like back in the 40, late 40s. You know, that just wasn't talked about much. Right. And oh, my goodness, this was a revolutionary thing. <laughs> so anyway, I wrote about some of that and uh, then about our marriage and our years at the college. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting read because I experienced going through a tornado at the college. Which college? Olivet Nazarene University in Kankakee, Illinois. It's now domiciled in um, Bourbonus. Okay. Only they call it Bourbonnet. Mm -hmm. That's the French pronunciation. Bourbonnet. 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 And, um, and that's where we live. We lived in Bourbonnet. Okay. And uh, now the school is addresses that instead of Kankakee. But anyway, uh, when we went, it was just a college. And my husband was um, uh, involved in getting them to join the North Central Organization. And um, so that was enabled them to become a university. Okay. So what do you feel you did right in writing this book? Well, I want to say that I was very honest. Um, everything I wrote in my book is all true. And one thing that was interesting when I took these classes from uh, Calvin, some of my classmates would, when I'd finished reading my story, they'd just sit there and look at me and they'd say, we were supposed to write a true story. That wasn't true. That didn't really happen. And I said, yes, it did happen. <laughs> so it was interesting. But everything in my book is a true story. And uh, some of it, uh, I have to say that um, during my life, after we were married especially, there were so many things that we um, encountered. Like the, I, my book is entitled My Garden of Stones. And we had a lot of stones in our life. Some were like little pebbles, but others were big boulders that we had to encounter. 
And God was always in our life, pre presenting us with a miracle. It didn't matter uh, whether it was big or small. Um, we had lots of miracles. And I write about that in my book because I want people to know that even though you are faced with a lot of challenges, you can overcome them Absolutely. through the whole through God. Yeah. Yeah. Faith, hope. Yeah, our faith. Yeah. Okay, Glad. What would you have done differently? In writing my book? Mm -hmm. In writing your first book. I know you well, have a second one out. Yeah, but the first book, I talked to my instructor about that because I had never done it before. Mm -hmm. So I said, what do I do about, I said, I want to include some pictures in my book. Okay. And she said, well, um, if you're going to do that, she said, maybe the best thing to do is go with the best paper that you can get because it'll do justice to colored prints as well as old prints that are yellowed mm -hmm. and brown. And I said, well, I've got uh, 12 big, tubs of pictures that I've got to go through. I ended up with about 125 or more in the book. So that people that read the story have some reference to who I'm talking about or the place I was talking about. Or in, in case of the tornado, I had pictures of the building I was in mm -hmm. and how it was destroyed. And so I had... Um, chosen the best paper and so that included uh, an increase in cost in the book but if I was going to do anything different mm -hmm. I probably would maybe have elaborated a little bit more on some of the stories okay. but I didn't want to get too wordy because I didn't want to lose the attention of my reader understandable yeah, yeah. so I tried to make it um interesting and to pull the people into the story without using too many words just tell the story in my own words how about what have you learned about yourself from writing this book oh my well i have uh found that if <laughs> if i'm presented with i'm a i'm a detail person and um I also, when I start a task, I like to try to finish it. And I feel like um, I realized I could write. Mm -hmm. And I could make it interesting to people. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also found that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. That's from Philippians 4, 13. And that's the... The thing that I have uh, followed all of my life because I was a caregiver for 59 years. And I couldn't have done that without God's help. I probably would have given up or I may have died first and they thought maybe I would. <laughs> but I'm a survivor. So that's good. Uh, that's great. Yeah. So, so this my awesome book, right? My book. I wrote my first book then, and it was published when I was eighty-five. And now, this past year, I just finished my second book, and uh, that's been well received because it's kind of a sequel to the first one. Mm 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Back to your first book. What are the major takeaways from My Garden of Stones? The major takeaways. Well, I hope that people can glean something from what I experienced in my life. And um, when it seemed like I was could be discouraged, I found strength. And I hope that people, especially caregivers, um, that have to some time in their life, everybody's going to be a caregiver. It could be to their husband, a child, grandparent, parent, friend, um, that you can do it, but you've got to have that inner strength from the Lord in order to do it. And I hope that people that read the stories realize that that was my strength. And that, you know, if you make a commitment, keep it. Whether it's for marriage or a task or writing a book, if you take on the challenge, complete it. Would you do it all over again? I probably would. You mean my life? Your life and your books. Yes, I would because I had a wonderful life, even though I was it was challenging. And I knew when I went into the marriage, I had I had known my husband since I was seven years old. So I had been with him all through this time that he spent in Mary Freebed and he'd come home on weekends and I and the neighborhood kids would gather around his house and his wheelchair that his dad made um, because they didn't afford couldn't afford to buy one back then and plus they were very clunky back in the 40s or in the 30s I should say so the neighborhood kids would all gather around I was the only girl in the neighborhood the rest of them were um not involved in building huts in the woods and teepees and <laughs> doing things that I did with the boys. And so um, I, we just all grew up together, but Al was the center of attention in the neighborhood. Everybody flocked to him. And uh, then he would come up with all the ideas and then we do all the labor. Okay. Yeah, he was using his mind even back then. <laughs> Always. Yes. All right. So what's next for GLAD in 2022? Are you going to write another book or what's up? Well, you won't believe this, but um, I have an idea for another book. <laughs> I do believe it. GLAD, nothing can surprise me. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, for years, I have been an elder at Cascade Christian Church, and uh, they just recently bestowed on me the uh, honor of being a lifetime elder for the mm -hmm. church, and okay. I'm one of five elders that have that uh, distinction, and um, when I give my talks, um, usually an elder will give a communion talk before we partake of communion each Sunday and um, I've given some very interesting talks and people have come up to me after service and say I really enjoy your talks and I wish there was a way that we could read them 
again, you know, because they're, we would like to just review them again. And I said, well, I have a little idea that I, every time I give a talk, I stick it in a brown envelope in the file folder. And uh, I said, I think I'm going to get those out and dust them off and uh, organize them and maybe do a little, a moment of meditation book. That's a great idea. I love it. Okay, would you like to read to us, Glad? Sure. I'm going to read um, about my elopement, but I entitled it um, The Moon. My husband and I were always fond of a full moon. So I, I want full moons. I do. And we're coming up on one right now. We're having a full moon. It begins this way. I enjoyed the evening with my brother, having dinner together and spending time on the computer, listening to some of the oldies and reminiscing. One of the songs was Full Moon and Empty Arms. I immediately had a flashback to another clear moonlit night, many years ago. It was Easter Sunday night, March 25, 1951. Our best friends had returned home from college for the holiday and were leaving the next day to go back. Well, I had been dating my friend for a couple of years and my parents were not happy about me marrying him. Uh, when they found out I was engaged, they refused to accept the fact and I returned the ring. I complied to keep peace in the family. Well, Al and I had planned to elope two weeks before Easter, but the morning I planned to leave, I walked into the kitchen to tell my mom I was leaving to get married. And she said, you are not going anywhere without telling your dad. Well, that was not exactly what I wanted to hear. I dreaded any confrontation with my dad. But I arranged to be at home at 3.30 in the afternoon when I knew dad would be coming home from work. I waited in the living room for him to come through the front door. As he entered, I met him saying, I have something to tell you. Al and I are leaving tonight to elope and get married. Before he spoke a word, he threw his lunch pail toward the end of the living room in the direction of three bay windows. I froze. The pail stopped just short of the windows. My heart rate had escalated before this happened over the anxiety of telling dad, but now it was past the escalation point. My dad's words followed. You are not marrying that man. Before he could say another word, I jumped in and said, okay, I won't. And I hurried through the kitchen and out the back door. Al was waiting for me at our rendezvous spot. He knew my dad's arrival time from work and was waiting for me. Al picked me up and I had a good cry. Al understood. But he had one question for me. Will you ever marry me? I said, yes, but not now. I can't, knowing the hostility that exists. Well, following our church service, we went to my friend's home for lunch. And all of the folks there decided tonight was the night that we should elope. Well, there were many things that had to happen between 9.30 and midnight because I was supposed to be home by midnight. 
my husband didn't have money for them and nor the ring. So he went home and got money from his dad and told him where he was going. When he got back to our house where we were having dinner, uh, he said, I got the money, but I forgot the ring. Well, the next morning we were in Angola and we started looking for a place to get our marriage license, our blood tests and find a preacher. Well, all of it went well until it was time to find the preacher. And so we decided, look in the yellow pages. Well, uh, upon looking, I found a place called the Chapel in the Garden. The address of this place was the same as our church in the hometown, so I thought it providential. We located it and met the pastor and noticed that he had a handicap and wore a lift on one shoe. He asked for some background on us, and when we told him we were from Lowell, Michigan, he smiled and asked if we knew a certain pastor in Lowell. We were shocked and surprised. He was the pastor of the church Al that had attended as a teenager. He still was the pastor of that church in Lowell. We were married at high noon on Easter Monday with Easter lilies at the altar. I borrowed Irene's ring band, but she was a farmer's daughter who had milked many cows in her day and her fingers were much larger than mine. The ring fell off my finger as Al put it on. I would have given a penny for the thought of what was going through the minister's mind. <laughs> Following the ceremony, we were off to have a chicken dinner. I sent a telegram to my parents stating, happily married at high noon. Our friends departed for Illinois. Al and I headed for Lowell and our new life. We watched the moon together for the next 59 years. It's coming up. Do you hear it? Okay, can you announce the details of your book giveaway? Okay, for the first person that sends me the uh, uh, message on my email, I and entitles it podcast giveaway, I will see that they receive a copy that's autographed of this book that I wrote, My Garden of Stones. And this is my email. It's A-L-Y-S-F-L-E-T-C-H at A-T-T dot net. And you can easily remember it because it's like Al and Gladys, A-L for Al and Y-S for the end of Gladys, Fletch, F-L-E-T-C-H. We left the E-R off. <laughs> so it's A-L-Y-S-F-L-E-T-C-H at A-T-T dot net. I'll be waiting for the email. <laughs> awesome. Parting shots. You first, Glad. You are my guest. Well, I just want to say uh, it's been a pleasure to share this with you and the audience. But one of the parting things I want to say is when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, and when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must. But do not quit. <laughs> Never quit.
Never quit. And my parting shots are read indie, buy indie, and write indie. Support your local authors, newspapers, and small presses. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.